Greetings, golf fans, and welcome to the RBC Heritage Preview and Tip Show. This is episode 76 of Playing the Tips podcast, and one more week on the beautiful grind. Postmasters edition, and from the Motor City, I am Sports Guy Ty. You can find me on Twitter at Sports Guy Ty. From Ann Arbor, Michigan, Shallow Cal. Find him on the Twitters at Shallow Cal Golf. Good evening, my friend. Uh, your first night of league play. What are you drinking to cap off first official league round of the year? Uh, I have got the first official league night under my belt, and I have the official, uno- uh, the unofficial official beer of Michigan, Bell's Two Hearted. Fuel. There it is. Tonight. How about yourself? <laughs> Uh, so absolutely no luck at all last week at the Masters, uh, switching it up and going with the Dos Equis Lager Especial, so right back where I belong, uh, Labatt Blue Light, the finest Canadian Pilsner anywhere on planet Earth. Uh, washing down a little bit of my first actual round of the year, uh, today as well, got out there, had some beautiful weather in the state of Michigan, so I did my traditional, uh, solo walking round at a little, uh, not a par three course, but a much shorter par 33 course that I play once a year just to get things started. Uh, stretch out the driver a little bit, gives uh, me a chance to go for some of those 250, 260, 270-yard par four greens, and then just wedges and putter around the whole place, but great to be back out playing a little G in our neck of the woods, shallow cow. Oh, it's it's a beautiful day today. All right, before we get into RBC Heritage, we'll do a quick Masters postmortem. Um, Victor Hovland ruined the full place for you on Cam Young, but still a little bit of return on uh, your boy. Yeah, little uh, little 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 place action on Cam Young, and then uh, I had a first round leader full place as well on Cam Young. Um, and then uh, chop first round leader place on Xander. Um, I really, it was funny. I sent you a text message. I said, I'm really feeling confident about the Xander full place. If we can get Cam Young to giddy up and get a full place as well, we'll we'll pay for the whole card. And unfortunately, that didn't happen for us. But uh, we're there. Just a just a hair negative uh, overall on the week, but uh, not not so bad. You know. The Masters seems to be one of my bugaboos, um, so hopefully next year we'll have a good run at it. Yeah, the Masters has been tough for me, too, aside from Cam Smith last year. That was a very early anti-post ticket at 50-1 to 1 that wound up cashing at a quarter of the odds and paying for the card. But outside of that, I have really had some poor form at the Masters and majors in general. Um, continued this past week, absolutely nothing back on the card for me. Had a couple of guys that tried to sniff and threaten it. Joaquin Neiman kind of danced all around it Saturday, Sunday, but didn't quite do enough to get up there into the places. So, uh, no returns for me this week on, on the masters. We do need to make a correction as well, uh, from last week, your winner, winner fried perch dinner following the Valero Texas open actually not your first winner winner fried perch dinner of 2023 sony open uh stat boy tells us on the correction you also actually hit the one two of siwoo kim and hayden buckley if i'm not mistaken that is correct yes i did all right so three total winners then in calendar year 2023 for the podcast uh cory connors for you 18 to 1 at valero also siwoo you remember your, your number on him i want to say it was probably like 40 uh 30 something like that Sounds about right. Yeah. And then uh, Max Homer was, was that full place at 80, though. That was real, real nice one. 
<clears throat> feels good hitting that full place on an 80 to 1. Sure does. All right, well, just a little bit more on the Masters then before we get into it. Uh, Rombo, man, pretty impressive stuff after four jacking the green on his very first hole of the day, for very first hole of the tournament on Thursday for a double bogey. And then all he did the next 17 holes in his first round at Augusta National was go nine under par uh, to hold the first, a share of the first round lead at seven under. Really, really just impressive everything that Rom did from Thursday on, coming from the bad side of the draw, two and a half shots harder, uh, to chase down Kepka and get it done, win the green jacket. Uh, yeah, man, Rom's <clears throat> Rom's so impressive, uh, and these are these. This is a, a course that he thrives on. Obviously, uh, winning at Kapalua, winning at Riviera, and then winning at Augusta. Like, there's a there's definite trend there of um longer courses a little bit wider fairways complex uh greens um you know you asked me rom rory shuffler first the field who you taken i said rom rory and shuffler wish i would have put my money where my mouth was unfortunately it's kind of not my betting style and my handicap style so uh we missed out on that one I did go the other way. I took the field versus those three, but I did couch my selection and say it wouldn't surprise me if any of the three, particularly John Rahm, went well at Augusta. I think that Rahm and Scheffler are going to battle a bunch here in the coming months, years, probably back and forth, trading off with world number one. I am not sure, though, that when John Rahm is playing his best golf, there's anybody better on planet earth right now and it might be a little bit of hyperbole particularly given the run that we saw last year at this time from scotty scheffler and we were saying a lot of the similar things but as incredible as that run was and as good as scotty scheffler is i just think for the complete package of who he is as a player everything from off the tee uh to off the tee to approach his around the green john uh, uh around the green game john rom at, at the augusta was so impressive his putting when he needs to make clutch putts i'm just not sure that there's a better golfer right now scotty scheffler included than john rom nobody on tour forgets a shot faster than john rom he gets a lot of a lot of talk about that temperament, right? And how he tends to run very hot. And he does in the moment, but you're exactly right. Nobody moves on quicker once he's had that little that little, you know, self tantrum or whatever you want to call it. He's on to the next. Yep. Absolutely. Big storylines, of course, in Augusta as well. The live players all week. Uh, three of them wind up finishing top six. Brooks Kepka, Phil Mickelson tied second. Patrick Reed finishes tied sixth. Not as much drama, maybe. Not as much conflict as some were anticipating, but certainly an ever-present storyline with as competitive as that top, you know, quarter or so of the live players who played in the event actually wound up being at, at Augusta. I think, uh, <clears throat> honestly, I think Kepka wins the tournament if he's still on the PGA Tour. And I will tell you why. Give it the, to me. The waiting, the five plus plus hour rounds, you don't get that on live. You don't get the the crowds. You don't get all of the 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 big, you know, players taking their time and these guys taking their time and really um 
going through, you know, extended motions. And I think that really with even, you know, yes, Rom is a, is a quick player, Kepka, quick player. However, Rom is used to dealing with this. Rom is used to being in the final group and used to waiting on groups ahead of him. Kepka is not. And I think he was screwed from the get-go on Sunday playing with Bennett for the first part and the uh, of uh the the last of the third round and then um playing behind Bennett, Cantlay and, and Patrick Reed, you know, a lot of these other guys that are a little bit slower and it really affected his game, I think, and he really couldn't get into that rhythm on uh, on Sunday ever. He was visibly pissed in the press conference when he was talking about it or when he was asked about it post-round. Brooks Kepka is one of the fastest players uh, previously on tour. John Rahm, same deal. Not a whole lot of thinking between those guys. They get up there, just kind of whack when they're ready. Not as you mentioned, you know, five plus hour rounds, not a lot that he could do to really get in and then stay in any kind of rhythm playing behind one of the slowest players on tour, Patrick Cantlay. And then, and then as you mentioned, Sam Bennett, the amateur who he started his round with uh, to finish the third round Sunday. No, uh, no quick player there either. Um, so definitely did, frustrating, I'm sure. It didn't help either that Sam Bennett kind of crumbled and was having a little bit of trouble. So instead of playing in the twosomes on Saturday and Sunday, they were playing in the threesomes on Saturday. So I think that kind of uh, aggravated Brooks as well. Um, And, you know, really, once he got to that 13 number, it, it all just went backwards from there. Yeah. Um, And again, you know, it's hard to feel too too bad for him all things considered because and he did come out of the right side of the draw as mentioned uh the side of the draw that john rom came out of much more weather affected uh two and a half shots difference between the two so really and truly when you think about what john rom did winning by four strokes coming from that side of the draw incredible i mean brooks kepka's got his feet up in the second round after just you know a blazing start seven under gets the morning tea time on Friday gets out there when conditions are tame, you know, puts a couple more up on the board and Rom's got a battle just through the elements and then come back on it in the cold. So really, really impressive everything that he did real quick. Uh, Sam Bennett as well, pretty impressive performance. And as you mentioned, he kind of faded toward the end of the third round Sunday. And then the fourth round didn't make the top 12, which would have qualified him for an automatic return to Augusta next year, but still T-17, really good young player coming out of Texas A&M this year. Like him. Like him a lot. Popping popping the uh, popping the Zins in there uh, mid-round, you know? <laughs> yep, absolutely. Uh, really good ball striker. I think he's going to be surprised. I'm surprised. I'm, I'm surprised Brooks didn't give him a real chaw there at some point. <laughs> Like, hey, man, if I give you a real chaw, you going to speed it up a little bit or what? <laughs> Something. Uh, all right. Last thing real quick before we move on and turn our attention to this week. Um, biggest golf news story of the day coming out of the Masters was the news that Will, Will Zalatoris, Willie Z, is done for the rest of the year, the rest of the 2022-2023 uh, PGA Tour season. He's having his second major back surgery and it's going to be sidelined until at least the fall at the earliest. Shallow Cal, I, we talked about this back in the fall. Last podcast we did before our hiatus was the Wyndham championship. And there were a lot of signs about 
Willie Z at that point, you know, with the struggles, the injury, he winds up winds up winning TPC Southwind and then doesn't make it back to the tour championship, undergoes his first surgery. This is worrisome. Anytime you have a golfer dealing with a back injury, particularly an injury with a disc, I'm worried about his long term career, just like I said in the fall. Well, you know, look at how it uh, it changed the path of Tiger's career. Uh, Tiger, one of the best athletes that's ever been on tour. And uh, really, after his back injury, he was never the same. Yes, he won majors after it. Yes, he won tournaments after it and and all of that, but not quite the same. And a back injury, especially the one that, you know, I mean, yeah, Lonto Griffin had the same injury, but that's Lonto Griffin. That's not William Zalatoris. You know, he's at, at a much higher level, um, especially. You know, especially being as thin as he is, you know, I'm sure there's so much that goes into his swing that especially how hard he swings at that swing speed and the torque that he's putting on that body. Yeah, it's it's going to be a big challenge for him to come back. And I um, I really hope that we're not robbed of such a promising career for such a, a, a simple thing. Yeah, you hope all the best for Willie Z. Such a great young talent. Hope that the second one is what does it for him with the surgery and get back healthy. But as mentioned, back injury is never a good thing for a golfer, particularly when you're dealing with the disc. Uh, actually ended my dad's golf playing days. Not that he played golf very much or very well at all, but uh, <laughs> ultimately he did uh, did have to hang it up because of a herniated disc and some issues there. And actually, I should give a shout out to my pops as well on the podcast. Didn't hit John Rahm pre-tournament, but did place a live bet on John Rahm plus 300 on Saturday morning before the, let me think about this. This was, this was before play had been suspended in the third round. He was either three or four shots back at Kepka at the time. My dad just looked at me and said, plus 300 on John Rahm. I like that number a lot. I'm going to put a hundred bucks on that. So a nice little return for Pops as well on John Rahm, although not a pre-tournament outright. There you go, Mr. Alashewski. That's a a boy. Yeah, fun watching. Watching a few days of the tournament golf with them. All right, by way of a quick agenda, as always, we'll do tournament preview and course overview for the RBC Heritage at Hilton Head Island. Stats to consider and weather. Then we'll get into tips, picks, and best bets. Shallow Cal brings back first-round leader school yet again this week, so stay tuned there. First, though, Shallow Cal, what do we need from the people? Uh, what we need from you guys, uh, hit that like button and give us a follow on Twitter at playing the tips or at playing tips pod. Hit the subscribe button when uh, when you listen to us uh, playing the tips podcast. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to just uh, download that episode. Subscribe. Give us a little review. And as always, thanks again to all of you that tune in on a week-to-week basis. We're doing it this week. We've got the winners here on our cards. Coming for some fried perch dinners. That's right, baby. All right, little tournament preview for the RBC Heritage. As mentioned, we are on Hilton Head Island at Harbortown Golf Links, which has been the home to this event since the inaugural playing in 1969. Arnold Palmer, at 40 years old, was your first winner of the flagship event of the Crescent and Palmetto State. Famously also served as Hal Irwin's first win on the PGA Tour in 1971. 
little bit different this year in that this is an elevated event for the first time. Uh, first time, I guess, really for any of the events uh, to be to have a go at being an elevated event. But RBC Heritage does get tapped for this first uh, iteration, maintains its invitational status. It is now one of five remaining on tour with API, the Memorial, Genesis, and the Charles Schwab Challenge. Shallow Cal, this will already be the eighth elevated event in 2023 to go with the first six plus the master. So we've already seen eight times. This will be the eighth time that we've seen it this calendar year of all the best golfers getting together in the world. Asked you about it uh, a couple weeks ago. I'll ask you again, uh, good thing or bad thing? Is it getting too overwhelming at all at this point? Seeing, seeing everybody together every single week? No. <laughs> uh this is how it should be man i mean I, when i turn into a tune into like you said when i tune into a tampa bay buccaneers game or new england patriots or whatever it was i want to see tom brady play when i watch the lions i wanted to watch barry sanders it, it, you know it, like that that's we're here to see these guys is it getting old hell no I did actually steal that from Rory McIlroy. He's the one who said, when I turn, tune into a Tampa Bay Bucks game, I expect to see Tom Brady. <laughs> but it's a great point yes. uh, that he's making about the game of golf. I will say this. Um, it's been great. It's been everything we could have possibly hoped for with getting all the best together in the world as often as we have and being able to see that in 2023. It has felt a bit overwhelming. And more than anything, I think you're starting to see that a little bit uh, with some of the players, first of all, maybe who aren't playing this week, despite it being an elevated event, but also starting to hear it from some of the players, most notably Jordan Spieth. Um, despite making the most birdies in the field at the Masters tournament, finishing where he did, he was kind of notably uh, exacerbated at, after his round on Sunday and just talking about the fact that he's played tournaments six of eight weeks now and next year he's going to have to really rethink his entire schedule and what he does leading up to the Masters and making sure that he's not burning himself out. And I think you, you're starting to, again, kind of just hear that creep into a lot of interviews from players uh, in, in recent weeks. It's just – it's. It's a lot to get up for every single week. It's a good problem to have for both the players and the fans, but I kind of get it. You know, this is trial and error. I'm sure we'll see some adjustments next year, um, but just kind of interesting to hear some different perspective on it. Um, so this will be uh, 147 players at the start, which is, again, a big jump from the normal number of entrants being an invitational. We are down to 143 after a handful of withdrawals. 93 of the top 100 in the official world golf rankings are here. No Aaron Wise, no Hideki Matsuyama, Alex Noren, or Jason Day. In terms of those in the top 20 in the world not here, as mentioned, no Will Zalatoris out for the season. Cam Smith, obviously, with Liv. And no Rory McIlroy this week. Are you surprised by that at all, Shallow Cal? Um, a little bit. Yeah. Especially since he missed the cut last week. This guy has uh, played a lot less golf than most of the, uh, the top guys here. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, this is now he's also the second elevated event he's missed. And if you recall, you know, uh, when all this was rolled out, it was kind of hinted at that as part of that PIP equation, players had to play all of the elevated events. They could miss one in the schedule. So going to be interesting to see kind of what Tom Monahan, I'm excuse, Tom Monahan, Jay Monahan does going forward now that Rory will have missed his second elevated event. Obviously, lo lo local shout out Tom Monahan of Domino's fame. 
<laughs> yep, absolutely. The pizza tiger. That's exactly yeah, where my mind went. <laughs> um, also, Monahan's Fish Store in Cary Market. Uh, excuse me, Cary Town Market. <laughs> Another great different, Monahan. Different Monahan family, all in general. All a bunch of Monahans. Yep. Uh, but I digress. Um, again, it's Roy McElroy. He's the most important player to the PGA Tour right now, whether he's getting cut at the Masters or not, just because of his positioning in the world of golf. So I think that we'll get a pass from old Jay Monahan on this one. But it, again, it will be interesting to see in future years how they kind of tweak these requirements for the elevated events, particularly with so many stacked early in the year. Um, one of the reasons why we don't typically get the greatest fields here, despite it being invitational, um, of course, it is post-Masters week. Um, you do get a lot of Euros that tend to stick around for this event. Those that qualify for the Masters come here for a couple weeks. They'll typically head down to Harbortown and play. Um, you do have some course specialists in that sense. Also, those who enjoy kind of just the general family atmosphere of Harbortown. Um, but again, a lot of the top players have traditionally passed on this event. Um, it's not a course typical of what we see on the PGA Tour. Length is really minimized here. It's much more of a strategic, technical golf course. And just coming out of a long slog of a grind at Augusta, hard to get up for a lot of the best players in the world. So again, we have seen maybe um, not the... Not the greatest fields here, with the exception, actually, of 2020, but that was, of course, when golf was coming out of the pandemic, had one of the strongest fields, uh, really, of, of any any event since then, because, again, just so many of the top players looking for an opportunity to play and get together. Have a bit more uh, on that later on. Do have a lot of multi-time winners here. Davis Love III has won the event five times. Stuart Sink three times, most recently in 2021. Also Hale Irwin with the triple up. And then seven others have won it multiple times. Uh, past winners of the Heritage Plaid Jacket, which is actually just tartan. Last year, Jordan Spieth, 2021, as mentioned, Stuart Sink, Webb Simpson before that in the uh, 2020, coming out of the pandemic, C.T. Pan in 2019, Sadoshi Kadaira 2018, Wesley Bryan in 2017, bit of a long shot run there. Then you had Brandon Grace in 2016, Jim Furyk 2015, Matt Kuchar in 2014, and Graham McDowell in 2013. Average of your past 10 renewals is a shade less than 14 under par. Hit us with some course vitals, shallow Cal. Harbortown Golf Links, uh, Hilton Head Island, like you said. Um, Pete Dye. Pete Dye, one of our favorites. Uh, Back on that, the die. So that means it must be Sea Woo Week, right? Sea Woo! <laughs> it's always Sea Woo Week on Pete Dye courses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, par 71, tipping out at just over 7,100 yards. Only three par fives this week, and they don't typically yield a ton of eagles. So um, we'll see we'll see the scoring on that and how that goes. Uh, as we all know by now, Pete Dye tracks tend to reward accuracy over distance off the tee, great iron play, approach play, uh, a daft around the green game, and a hot putter. No different here at Harbortown. Uh, while a, a more American – I think I'm going to make a course style up here – I'm going to call this an American Coastal Links style course. Um, but most of those things and characteristics of a classic Pete Dye course still apply here. Water on uh, every hole. So that's great. Uh, and then, of course, <laughs> it's it's a uh, it's a Pete Dye course. So there's going to be some tricky bunkering uh, about as well. Uh, fairways are Bermuda overseeded with rye. 
You're going to want to be in the correct part of the fairway here as trees can block you out on a poorly placed shot. You know, if you're on uh, the left side of the fairway and you need to be on the right side of the fairway, you might be, you know, screwed. So uh, placing the ball correctly, you might be, in, you know, even better in the rough on some holes uh, on a certain side of the fairway than you are in the fairway on the other side. So it's an interesting uh, course design that way. And, uh, you know, big trees are also going to influence uh, a lot of your shot shapes and those uh, that can move the ball well, uh, both ways, going to have success here. Greens are Tiff Eagle Bermuda, overseeded with POA. And the further we get into uh, the spring, summer, the less we see of that POA. So mostly going to be uh, keying on that Bermuda putter here. Some of the uh, smallest greens on tour, the smallest greens on tour, 3,700 square feet. These bad boys are tiny. They are some of the slowest on tour, typically also running only about 11, 11 and a half on the stimp. Fast for us, but uh, for tour standards, it's pretty slow. And, you know, I can't wait to show you my improved putting game this year on the win all the money on the putting greens. And, uh, you know, they're a little bit domed, so it's going to make it much more difficult to hit and hold. So, uh, Make your around the green game incredibly important this week. Rough is a little bit more grown out this year. However, I don't expect it to be that much more penal than years past. Um, it's not really a, a diabolical. Note the choice of words there. Well done. Uh, yes, yes. It's not uh, that we've seen at uh, Sawgrass or Bay Hill, but it's a uh, you know it's it's a little bit more robust than in years past. Uh, for comp courses, we're looking at TPC River Highlands, um, TPC Louisiana, TPC Sawgrass, Stadium at PGA West, all die tracks, obviously. There's a reason that there are die specialists. They all have corollaries into each other, and uh, that's why that's why we look heavily uh, comp courses at the other ones. Anything you'd like to uh, touch on there, Ty? Yeah, I'll throw some more comp courses out there. I'm with you on Sawgrass, obviously the most famous Pete Dye. Uh, Sedgefield for the Wyndham Championship. Colonial for the Charles Schwab. Valderrama on the old European tour before it was bought up by Liv. And RSM. Uh, this is an old school, tight, tree-lined course. And there is a good bit of correlating form to winners at Sedgefield, as mentioned, for the Wyndham Championship. A um, little bit Sawgrass, Colonial, all, all Valderrama as well. Um, Webb Simpson and Brant Snedeker have both won the RBC Heritage and the Wyndham. Jordan Spieth won here last year, previously lost in a playoff to Patrick Reed at the Wyndham in 2013. You got Siwoo Kim, who was a winner at Sedgefield, second at Harbortown. Uh, C.T. Pan, the inverse of that. A little bit of correlation for RSM as well. It is kind of a more exposed, uh, I'll borrow from your your excellent description, American seaside-style links course, but not far from here, kind of in that whole Golden Isles part of Georgia, South Carolina. Um, Webb was a winner here, of course, at the RSM, uh, twice beaten in a playoff. I'm sorry, uh our winner at the RBC Heritage, and then twice beaten in a playoff at Sea Island for the RSM. Uh, Kisner has lost a playoff at Sea Island in 2020, uh, won RSM in 2015, shortly after losing a playoff at Harbortown. One more, I'll throw Corrales out there as well. Uh, 2022 Corrales winner Joel Damon was a shot off the lead here after three rounds in 2020. 
2023 Corrales winner Matt Wallace 18th uh, at the RS excuse me at the RBC Heritage in 2021 Graham McDowell has also won both what kind of stats to consider are you looking at this week shallow cow um so with uh with these greens being small and you're probably gonna have uh you know quite a few missed greens here um strokes gained around the green uh, is a big one for me uh this week strokes gained approach uh, is gonna be another big one here i think this one even more so than usual i know we talk about strokes gained approach every week right but this one and this course more so than typical because you have a 3,700 square foot greens. I mean, they're they're fucking tiny. Um, approach 175 to 200 yards. That's going to be primarily where your par threes are here on this course. So not only your par threes, but some of those par fours that you might be uh, you might be hanging back on, forced to take less than driver on, can fall into this area. And then good drives gained. Uh, again, positional off the tee, second shot course. If you're placing yourself on the correct portion of the landing zones, you're going to have much better scoring opportunities. I'm with you on strokes gained approach. Um, maybe less important in recent years here, uh, given the form of the winners, but still very important. It is a Pete Dye course after all. Angles, second shot golf courses, got to have the irons dialed. Both the long irons, as you mentioned. I love that range. Uh, many more shots hit from that range here than the average PGA Tour event. Um, but also the wedge play, uh, very important here. I'll go with the other two for me. Uh, strokes gained tee to green. This is honestly a pretty straightforward test of golf, which is kind of typical of the classical old school designs. Just don't screw it up. Put it in the fairway. Hit greens. Make sure not to get too greedy, and you're probably going to be okay. Um, off the tee and approach play is huge here. You are, of course, going to miss some of those greens because, as you like to say, shallow cow, they are that postage stamp size of a robust 37, 3,800 square feet. But if you're solid tee to green and get up and down here, you should be just fine. Um, lastly, I'll go with strokes gained at short game. This is a combination of strokes gained around the green and putting. As mentioned, we are going to miss some greens here. And in fact, it's among the lowest percentage of greens and regulation hit at about 54% on tour. So you got to be able to get up and down uh, from some of those tight lies after missing, as you mentioned, uh, slower Bermuda glass greens, a little bit of that POA overseed. So crucial to have a little bit of a, a skill with the flat stick here as well. Not a ton for me this week by way of trends for uh, RBC Heritage. I will just say that success at the Masters often doesn't translate here. Six of the last ten winners missed the cut the week prior. Notable exceptions, uh, Kuchar in 2014 was T5 at the Masters. Stuart Sink was T12 in 2021. Otherwise, it hasn't been a great run of form for RBC Heritage winners coming out of Augusta. You look at any weather this week, Shallow Cow, are you taking a pass? No, I take a pass. I don't fuck with that shit. <laughs> I'm about there as well. Uh, typical coastal breezes all four days, blowing 10 to 15 miles an hour. It will gust 20 to 25. There is the likelihood of rain Friday and also a chance Sunday afternoon. We're going to be seasonal in the mid to upper 70s. If you are interested in diving a bit deeper, Hilton Head Airport on Wind Finder is where you want to head. 
All right, Shadow Cal, we got one thing left to do, and that's make some picks. We are going to start out again this week with some first-round leader selections off of your card. You are coming off a full place on Cam Young, first-round leader, a shared place on Xander Shoffley, first-round leader as well at the Masters. So got a little positive momentum. Four selections for you this week, and you start your card with a popular outright across golf Twitter. Uh, why Sung J M forty to one for first round leader? Oh man, those Koreans—they play Pete Dye courses extremely well, and I think I actually had Sung J last year um, in an outright bet here. So. I am going to go and dip back into the well. Um, we talk about ball strikers. We talk about iron play. Um, this guy is exactly that. So that's where I'm going to start my first round leader uh, card at um, Sung JM 40 to 1. Next, we've got Tom Kim, another Korean. Shockingly, uh, this guy is just made for Pete Dye courses, just like C. Woo Kim. Um, he is, again, somebody who is going to be able to pound fairways, place the ball in the right spot, hit those approach shots that are, are, are fantastic. He's great on approach. And when he catches a hot putter, he can drop those super, super low rounds like nobody's business. Let Next, me ask you this. Yes, sir. And we'll we'll delve a bit deeper into Tom Kim because he's on both of our outright cards yeah, as well. That's why I didn't want to get too much into it. <laughs> so his first round leader number fifty to one. We both have outrights on him fifty to one as well. I know you took both, but given the choice, would you rather have the fifty to one as the first round leader or the outright ticket if you could only pick one? Ooh, that's a good one. Um Man, I think uh, I think with his propensity to have uh, somewhat volatile uh, up and down, you know, I mean, starting off with a quadruple bogey on his last win, um, I think I think I take the outright at 50. Although usually with your first round leaders, if somebody's at 50, they're not going to be, I mean, you know. Yeah, I think I take the outright for fifty to one. I think over over four days, his uh, his ball striking, if he doesn't have a great day on Thursday, will regress towards that mean and get better and better. So yeah, I think I take the outright. I think I'm with you there. Uh, the RBC Heritage is very strikingly in contrast to what we saw last week at Augusta. This is a tournament where you can chase and you can come from behind. Very tough to do so at the Masters. Not so much here. Um, I believe only, I'm going to butcher this, but it's something like four out of the last ten winners held the uh, 54-hole lead. Everybody else had come from behind after Saturday. So I kind of like that. Uh, you know, it's 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 just curious to me that both numbers are 50-1 to 1 on Tom Kim, and I think I'm with you. I kind of like the outright more, give him a chance to, to come from behind, given that volatility. All right, uh, didn't mean to sidetrack you there. Next uh, on your card. Next one. Uh, oh, Canada. We won an outright on the uh, two weeks ago. Corey Connors, 66 to one. Um, this guy, like, I mean, I just said this with Tom Kim, but 
This guy even more so. I mean, God damn, this dude just fucking pounds fairways and pounds greens in regulation. Um, the the putting surfaces here are going to be more to his style, I think. And with the smaller greens, he's not going to have those huge lag putts like you said. He's going to have a lot of those uh, 10, 15 footers uh, for birdie here. And I think that Corey catching a hot putter, give me it one time in, in the first round, 66 to 1. I, I I really like it on on him. Another guy whose outright number matches up to his first round leader ticket at sixty six is. Yeah, they uh they really liked the uh, the similarities this week and the uh, the first round leader there over at uh, Bet Rivers. Yep. So uh, last guy, this uh, this one man, best putter on the planet, right? Uh, Taylor Montgomery. 80 to one. Uh, if, if, if we're going to have a putting contest, I want this motherfucker in my corner. So 80 to one, if he catches that hot flat stick and just drops a bunch of fucking birdies, I'm in Taylor Montgomery, 80 to one. Let's ride baby. All right. So four picks on shallow cows. First round leader card this week. Sung JM 40 to one, Tom Kim 50 to one, Corey Connors 66 to one and Taylor Montgomery. 80 to 1. Let's stay hot there, my friend. Uh, All right, we're going to get into some outright picks then. Uh, Before we do so, I should note, uh, and I do apologize for this, not a single number on any of my outright picks where I made the selection is still available to the betting public. (laughs) Yeah. it just, they moved quick. Uh, I actually love the RBC Heritage every year for the fact that it is right after the Masters. And this just seems to be one of those events where if you're on the ball and you're watching numbers to drop and, and making moves quick, books get a little bit lazy after all the ratcheted up pressure of Augusta last week. And there are some big, juicy numbers year in and year out that appear immediately for RBC and then disappear very quickly. <laughs> So I'm on several, uh, uh, several as many as 40, 45 points higher than what's available now to the public. So I will just put that out there as a disclaimer. I'm going to read some names at some very high numbers that are no longer available, but still a lot of good numbers out there on many different players for the RBC Heritage. All right, Shallow Cal, uh, we're going to stick with you because you opened your card closest to the top, but in this elevated event, not all the way at the top. You're going back to an old favorite, Jordan Spieth, 22 to 1. Uh, like you had kind of stole my thunder there uh, earlier, the most birdies in the field last week at the Masters. Um, really, uh, he won. I mean, course history right he he won the the, he won the damn thing last year so defending champion we've had a lot of that storyline here in 2023 so why not have it again um again led the birdies last week this guy gets up and down and all around with the fucking best of them man you see this guy in the trees and it's uh up towards the green a chip to a foot and a half and then pot I mean, this guy is incredible. Uh, this this course is almost made for him, I feel like. He is uh, daft around the green. And when he wants to be or when he can be, he is an incredible 
incredible putter of the ball. So I like Jordan Spieth here, especially a little bit uh, spiked odds with the um, the elevated event. And not taking him last year, I fucking love Jordan Spieth, and I didn't bet him last year, and I am so, so sorry. So please forgive me, and please win again this year when I'm on you. <laughs> that was a tough one to take last year, I'm sure, because this is definitely a Jordan Spieth course, if there ever was a Jordan was, Spieth course. It was probably like the first week of the year last year that I didn't actually bet Jordan Spieth. That's probably about right, honestly, given where this falls in the calendar and what you had done preceding. So, yeah, so come on, baby. We're back on the train. Uh, Jordan Spieth, 22 to 1. I like that number, especially since Rory has now uh, stepped out. That was I got that number pre-Rory. Obviously, everything has completely shifted since then, and Jordan Spieth is uh, 20 or below now in pretty much every uh, every spot you look. Yeah, numbers starting to crash, certainly with the Rory withdrawal news. All right, next golfer that we're both on, a big, juicy number on this golfer. Justin Thomas, 33 to 1. I don't know what I'm doing here anymore. I don't know why I'm on this ride again. If you are still tailing me on JT, then clearly you've been blinded by the light as well. There's nothing I can do to help you. I know you've been talking a lot, Shallow Cal, with your picks, but I'm going to let you start it off uh, on Justin Thomas here, 33 to 1. All right. I'm going to paint this narrative to you. I want to take you back to 2018. All right. Uh It is a great time. The market is booming. We've got anything that you could ever want for for the gas prices are low. And we're at Firestone. And Justin Thomas is in the 30s. Uh His DK DFS price is sub 9,000. Mm. Do you know what happens? Justin Thomas won that motherfucking event. Justin Thomas won that motherfucking event. So what are we going to do right now? We hammer, hammer, hammer that 33 to 1. Are you kidding me? This guy can't putt. I don't give a fuck, man. 33 to 1 on one of the best iron strikers in the world at a place that demands great iron play and is a putting contest with slower greens, I think working to his advantage. Give me Justin motherfucking Thomas at 33 to one. I don't even need to justify that. That's pretty much where I'm at with it. 33 (laughs) to one sign me up for that. As much as I, you know, you know, you know, you remember the Entourage series? Of course. Okay, so Entourage. In Entourage, there's the uh, the movie producer. I forget what his name is, but he keeps asking Eric and um, and and Vince, is that something you might be interested? Thirty-three <laughs> to one, Justin Thomas. Is that something you might be interested? Well, why? Yes, that is something that I am absolutely interested in. One of the all-time great gifs. 
this is truly a numbers play for me and nothing else because as much as I've bet on Justin Thomas, as much as I've lost on Justin Thomas, as much as I have sat on the sidelines and missed Justin Thomas wins at the big numbers, I cannot under any circumstances turn my way, my head away from a 33 to 1 number on Justin Thomas. I mean, we texted about it this morning. When was the last time we saw 30s on Justin Thomas? You just solved that mystery so, for us. <laughs> so um, I'm not going to lie to you. I look, I went and I made my selections, and then I went back to bed because, uh, uh, you know, I wake up early to catch the, the great numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And when I clicked on my, my first bets, I completely – passed over him because I didn't, I, I, I just, I just didn't, well, I wasn't looking for him in the thirties. And then you had sent me your card and I scrolled through and I completely missed in your card, JT at 33. And then I looked again and I was like, whoa, 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 what? So I looked back on Bet rivers and it was still 33 to one. And I abs and I just hammered it. And I am so glad that I caught that because I feel like that's a big error on their part. And that number stayed for almost 45 full minutes when it was out there. Yeah. I just don't know when we're going to see 33s again on Justin Thomas. I know that he's coming off his first missed cut uh, ever at Augusta. But I, 33 to 1 on Justin Thomas, I mean, that's like Sung J.M., Shane Lowry, even like Cam Young range. And no disrespect to any of those players, none of them are Justin Thomas. Hey, none of them. Cam Young, Cam Young is shorter odds. And I can tell you what, his around the game, around the green game and his putting is not anywhere close to being good enough to win this tournament. I am... I am certain of that. And for them to disrespect my man's, your your man's JT like that with 33? 33 to 1. Oh. So as mentioned, he did miss the cut at Augusta last week. Um, not a terrible thing, when, as we discussed in the trends piece earlier. Um, a success at Augusta doesn't necessarily translate here this week. His good buddy, Jordan Spieth, who won this event last year, was coming off of his first career missed cut at Augusta. So maybe there's some good vibes in that sense. JT's played this four times with a best finish of T8, but encouragingly, that came in 2020. That was, as mentioned, the best field this tournament has ever seen, likely will ever seen, because again, played in early June that year, coming out of the pandemic, one of the first tournaments coming back from the restart. So I'm very encouraged that we have a similar field in 2023 as we did in 2020. And we're able to take Justin Thomas at these numbers. And he performed the way he did in a similar field back in 2020. Um, good on comp courses. Obviously, he's a player's champion. He's also got a top 10 at Colonial. I, I don't need to make the case. I mean, I've been making the case for weeks on Justin Thomas. Just go bet that number probably anywhere down to 25 to 1, honestly. Yeah. All right. Another chance for a team win. I'll bat lead off on this one. We mentioned it earlier, but we're both on Tom Kim. Uh, I I should have mentioned I'm one and a half points each way on Justin Thomas, 33 to one. I did take the each way at that number just because, again, I I couldn't believe that I had that opportunity. 33 to one offers great value with the each way. Unbelievable. 
Uh, so I am on Tom Kim as well. One point only each way on the 50 to one. I've said this before, bet Tom Kim at Webb Simpson courses. Just do it. I mean, the games are so similar. The The way that they attack golf courses, the places they've had success already in Tom Kim's young career, you just got to do it. Um, he's already a winner at Sedgefield in the Wyndham Championship, like Webb Simpson. Tom Kim, top six earlier this year at Amex. Uh, so that's, of course, played at the Pete Dye PGA West Stadium course, so he's got a little bit of the Pete Dye action. Nice, underrated seventh-place finish, the Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit when he came roaring back on Sunday, that classic tree-lined course. And then you you hit on this in your breakdown for the first-round leader ticket, but when you look at his strokes gained ranks this season, he is just built for a test like this. Third in driving accuracy, 18th in total driving, 10th in greens and regulation, 16th tee to green. He's gained in 13 of his last 14 events, tee to green, strongest part of his game, 19th on approach, 39th around the green, um, and in recent form has been very good too. Very impressed with a T16, the Masters, on his debut. Opened and closed with a two with two under 70s, uh, both uh, Thursday and Sunday at Augusta. What else we missed on Tom Kim, Shallow Cal? Uh, no, you nailed it, man. Uh, bet Tom Kim at Webb Simpson courses. I mean, you might as well build out uh, Tom Kim's course history, extrapolate that over the past, you know, five years on Webb Simpson. You know, where Webb Simpson goes well, Tom Kim will go well because their games are so similar. Um, you know, it starts and ends with this guy's accuracy and his his strokes gained approach is just great. Um, you know, he was in the top 10 for pretty much the entire, uh, second half of the year last year and strokes gained approach. And honestly, it hasn't been quite at that level, but it's bound to regress back towards that top 10 level because a player of his quality doesn't just pop, you know, for not even, you know, a couple of weeks in a row. You know, his wins were 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 months apart and different courses. So Tom Kim is built for a test like this and a 50 to one number after his recent, uh, you know, I, I want to say it kind of fell off a little bit, but he really hasn't. He, you know, he's 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 still he's still shown well. Um, I think the 50 to one put some respect on that name. The train's coming, baby. Tom Kim, <laughs> 50 to 1. And it should be noted, those 50s no longer available. I'm looking at it right now. Looks like the best you can get on Tom Kim is 45 to 1 on DraftKings, all the way down to 35 to 1 on BetMGM. So that number is crashing fast, too. Yeah. All right, Shallow Cow, we're going to stick with you because you've got a 66 to 1 play. Looking to ride the momentum from Augusta on Russ Henley. Yeah, I'm looking to ride the motherfucking roller coaster again. Why do I, <laughs> why do, I do this to myself, man? I really don't know. Um, but, man, you think of Pete Dye, you think of Siwoo Kim, you think of uh, everybody, and then you think of Russ Henley, man, when you come to the Americans, because this is what his game is built upon. Um, you know, I, I really want to put him in that Kevin Kisner barrel of um, – uh, of guys who are just plotters that are, are tactical everywhere. Um, he doesn't have the best history here or five missed cuts. However, 
on the other end of that, uh, so he's played here eight times. He has five missed cuts. But the other three times, he has two top tens and a top 25. So a little give and take there. If we can pop on one of those two top tens and get us a win at 66 to 1 on a course that uh, rewards excellent iron play and approach play, I think uh, I think old Russ will go well here. And, Another. and, you know, my last outright was a guy I identified the week before who was playing well, who didn't necessarily win, who didn't necessarily threaten a win because, you know, Corey Connors didn't make it out of his own pod, but he had flashes of that game that you saw. So I saw some flash from Russ Henley this past week at Augusta, and I uh, I want to carry that momentum over. Another really nice number on Russ Henley at 66 to 1. That number is all the way down to 40 to 1 on bet no numbers with the each way. Right now. Is it really? Yeah. yeah, it's crashing too. Very popular across golf Twitter. Wow. Yeah, so you got some good value there on old Russ as well. Um, well, let me jump in then. Uh, I've got a golfer who, again, this number has crashed as well. Um, no longer supporting 80 to 1, but I am on Siwoo Kim, one point Excuse each me, way. what did you say? Siwoo Kim. There we go, baby. <laughs> 80 to 1. Uh, the, the argument for Siwoo, of course, aside from going well here with the previous top two finish is his performance at comp courses. Um, Sedgefield might just be the most perfect Siwoo course of all time because he has a win there, a second place, a third place, a fifth place, two missed cuts and a withdrawal <laughs> and nothing <laughs> in between. <laughs> the, the most Siwoo thing ever. Oh, it's just incredible. Truly, truly. So the fact that we have seen so much crossover between Sedgefield and RBC, um, just too big of a number, again, for, to, to hang on Siwoo. I had to pounce on that. Um, he's got a win in two other top 10 finishes at the Amex on the Pete Dye course. Does have an 18th place finish at RSM all the way back in 2016 as well. Um, if you're looking at strokes gain data, uh, key areas – performs really well 19th in driving accuracy very similar to tom kim he's 24th in total driving uh 23rd in strokes gained tee to green this year and 28th on approach but key for siwoo is that he's really good with the irons from those key ranges of 150 to 175 yards and then 175 to 200 yards ranks in the top 11 in both in this field his last 24 rounds Recent form has been kind of ho-hum, solid, but not spectacular since his win at the Sony in January. He has made eight of nine cuts in 2023. He's been no better than top uh, than T22 in that stretch after the win. You can throw out the T17 at match play because everyone who didn't advance from the pods got that number hung on them. Uh, no worse, though, than T39 if you also throw out the missed cut. Feels like Siwoo is just kind of percolating at that 80 to 1 number. Again, all the way down to 66 to 1 is the best you can get. 50, 55 to 1 in some places. So still a little bit of value on Siwoo, but just too big of a number for me to pass on. You are at a golfer as well, 80 to 1, a guy you've been on a good bit in the past. Uh, we both have, really, particularly this year because he's playing well. 
Man, oh man, that's another roller coaster ride here. Cause I don't know if he's gonna be the first round leader and then miss the cut or what. What's going on? But uh, which would be the full Keegan. Which would be the full Keegan. But uh, we're going with Keegan Bradley. Uh, you know, you want to talk about your iron strikers, your your guys who can can really work the ball all around the course. Uh, not super long, but definitely gonna be accurate off the tee pound those fairways again uh you know slow greens is this going to work in his uh, to his advantage i i hope so let's let's go keegan motherfucking bradley uh 80 to 1 this just is just this this just screams keegan bradley to me this course yeah i think there's a lot to like about keegan here again as mentioned a lot to like about how he's playing in general all right, let me close this out with a couple long shots in the triple digits. First is my best value, the number that's come crashing the hardest since this morning. A guy who was not part of my original staking plan when I was finalizing the notes, the stats, the anticipated card last night, only because I did not think I would see anywhere near 125 to 1 on JT Poston at the RBC Heritage. Nowhere near. I mean, I figured this was an easy 80 to 1, you know, potentially even 66 to 1, depending on the book. Um, so when it opened at 125 to 1, I couldn't click that fast enough. Quickly, again, on the fly, just kind of changing everything up on the card to make sure I could fit that in. But I'm at one point each way on the postman from Hickory, North Carolina. Experience matters a ton here at Harbortown. Uh, his form has been absurd. In four appearances, he's got three top eight finishes at the RBC Heritage and a miscut for good measure, um, but third, sixth, and eighth in the three times he's played the weekend here. 125 to one is too big a number for that kind of track record. Really good at comp courses as well. He's a winner at Sedgefield in 2019. Decent form around Sea Island. He's played the weekend twice in uh, four starts, finished T21, T14. Three of six cuts at Colonial with a top 10. Five of seven made cuts at the Amex with two top 10s. Um, recent form since the miscut at the players has been very good. He's been 22nd twice uh, at the players, so he does have some uh, some history there despite the missed cut a couple weeks ago. But T34 last week at the Masters closed with a 270. Advanced out of group play at match play before that, and then he had a T10 at Valspar when his putter really left into that tournament. So you are not going to believe this shallow cow, but JT Poston is down to 55 to one at one book. So again, I just could not stay away at 125 to one. In what world does JT Poston have a positive EV at 55 to one? 55 to one on <laughs> FanDuel. That's insane. I'm sorry. That's just insane. Now, there's still a pretty good delta there with some other books. Bet Rivers does have an 80 to 1 out there on him still, but you're mostly seeing 65, 66 into the 70s on JT Poston. Um, so, again, huge, huge value in my eyes, just too much to pass up. All right, last one. I'll be quick on this one. Uh, you texted me that I have a problem this morning. Actually, many problems is how you put it, given what I had shown you on my card. This, I would assume one of those problems you are referring to half point each way on cam davis 200 to one 
I do feel good at least that got some value here as well because this number has crashed a bit as well down to 150 to one best you can find on Camp Dave, uh, Cam Davis. Place comp uh, in similar course as well. A couple top 25s at Sedgefield. He's been seventh at the Charles Schwab Challenge just last year. Got a couple top 25s here at RBC Heritage, uh, and his lone win on tour came on a classic old-timey Donald Ross track in Detroit at the uh, uh, Rocket Mortgage Classic. Very tough start to the year for Cam Davis, 32 at Sony Open, then five straight missed cuts. He did attribute that poor play to his uh, to a sickness, saying, quote, I've been unwell for the first couple months of the year, haven't really been able to practice much, let a few things get to me, unquote. Shallow Cal, I have been unwell for the first couple months of the year, so I can certainly relate to Cam Davis and how our my betting card lines up with his golf play. <laughs> I I am unwell right now betting Cam Davis again, particularly at these numbers. Yeah, 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 you are. (laughs) Uh, At least least you won a 150 to one bet on Cam Davis. So you're still on the positive realm of betting Cam Davis. I am definitely still net positive betting Cam Davis, but it's getting close. Yeah. Uh, he did find some form, as mentioned, a couple weeks ago at the Players, finished sixth, uh, wrote a hot putter that week, gained 4.5 strokes on the green. Those greens in northeast form, uh, Florida, similar to coastal South Carolina, Bermuda grass overseeded with POA, could be a little carryover there. In terms of strokes gained numbers, he's gained in tee to green uh, last four and also off the tee his last six. All right, Shadow Cal, we're going to keep that momentum rolling from Corey Connors on your card a couple weeks ago and a couple first-round leader tickets. Let's go get us a winner-winner fried for dinner at the RBC Heritage. Cheers, mate.